It's 2-12 Eastern on a lovely Monday following Week 13 in the NFL. Also some wild championship weekend stuff. I know you were at you were in Indi- you were in Indy. I didn't make the trip. Game I of the weekend. Sick. I got really sick. I decided to stay back, save you guys. But yeah. how was the trip to Indy? Uh, I mean, it was about as exciting as the final score looked. I mean, 41 to three. Iowa's offense. The fact that they made it to the Big Ten championship game is a minor miracle. Like they were putrid. Uh, I, after the very first, after the missed throw, like was it the fullback toss to to then throw the end zone? Over, overthrew it. That was like you knew once that he overthrew that. It's like that was their one chance. <laughs> like that was game. Like you just felt it in the stadium. It was like if they did not punch it in there, and then they missed the field goal. It just felt like that was the end of the game. That was an embarrassing display for yeah. Iowa and the Big Iowa Ten fans were down bad. That was uh, that was rough to see. I mean, they were never in it, never in that game. Michigan wins big, forty-two three. I want to get into 42. some of the championship review, look at the college football playoff and how it currently stands. But let's catch an early buzz. Joe Brady fired randomly, Whew. just like right out of the gate, fired on bye week. I. That, in my opinion, doesn't make a ton in of sense. In the middle of a Sunday, too. Why, why, why fire Joe Brady when he's been through Sam Darnold, P.J. Walker, and Cam Newton off the street in his first you know, real opportunity to coach this team up? I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. It had to be. I mean, this was not like a performance-related thing. This had to be difference of opinion. This had to be Matt Rule and Joe Brady – not on who to eye play, eye. maybe? Or? I, I mean, play calling, whatever. I don't know exactly what it is, but th- there's no other explanation for it. It was them two not getting along. Like, yeah, maybe just that could be as simple as that because you don't fire a guy in the off week with what they've had in the quarterback situation, with what they've had in their offensive line situation. You. What Joe Bray's done is not the issue there, I'll just say. I could also see him wanting out at this point in time because there's a lot of opportunity, obviously, in the college landscape, right? I think Seth mm-hmm. Galina wrote a piece for PFF.com looking at some potential landing spots. Oklahoma Sooners OC with Brent Venables there yeah. now. USC OC, LSU offensive coordinator. Go be an offensive coordinator. Yeah. A lot of these open gigs at the collegiate level or even a head coach at one of maybe the group of five opportunities or wherever it may be. It depends what he wants. I will say... There's a part of me that thinks Joe Brady wanted out at this time if he wasn't going to get his way, if that difference of opinion was that, that That was one of my first thoughts, too, is the timing of it is very coincidental with the opening of a lot of offense coordinator positions and exactly. high-level programs in college football, where obviously he cut his teeth at LSU, the reason he got his job with the Panthers in the first place, because firing him at this point, he's not getting a head coaching job. Well, I, just, I, don't, I think it would be crazy or just the optics of a team – this offseason, hiring a guy who got fired midseason, I don't foresee that now. Crazier things have happened. Obviously, I think Cliff Kingsbury was fired and then from college and then gets hired at the NFL. But that was at a head coaching position. So that would floor me. But there was this tweet to go back to why it happened from David Newton saying, Matt Rule wanted the Panthers to rush 30 to 33 times a game. They had only 16 rushes in their last game before the bye. No way. It was rush attempts? That was the quarrel? Rush attempts? I'm not sure. I mean, like... I, I'm not sure if this is obviously not a direct quote from Matt Rule either way, but wanting to have 33, 30 to 33 rushing attempts a game. It's an interesting range. 
Yeah. 30 to 33. No, no fewer. <laughs> if you get a 34th, you're fucking fired. Well, I hope he gets put in a position to actually have like competent quarterback play and maybe yeah. a coach that doesn't want 30 to 33 attempts because I still believe that Joe Brady can put something, get something going. I think Oklahoma, USC, LSU, all those places now with new head coaches, I think you could see him go to any of those places. I think Seth also threw him here going back under Joe Moorhead at Akron State or Akron. If he goes to Akron, there's no, f- if he goes from Carolina to Akron, that would be a fall from grace my god all right the other piece of this that you added i think this is kind of a fun to read combination here still ryan five who is a fantastic follow on twitter by the way I, i've loved following still ryan five for a while he's a big raiders guy um still ryan five has a screenshot freezing cold takes dan orlovsky in october of this year october of this year mm-hmm. i'm gonna say the october yeah <laughs> Joe Brady to Sam Darnold is what Sean Payton was to Drew Brees in October of this year. Then Joe Brady or, or Dan Orlovsky finding out Joe Brady was fired in response to that news saying, wait, what? That is an incredible tweet. That was, yeah. I mean, it, it was kind of it's, – it's obviously, again, Joe Brady, there's only so much you can do. Like Sam Darnold was Sam Darnold. Like he – he did a lot with Sam Darnold. Like he made him look competent for the longest stretch of his entire career, which I think is still something to hang your hat on as an OC. That is phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Other catch a buzz here is Quint Ewers. I did not think this was going to happen. Quint Ewers, who's like the former like number yeah. one overall recruit, went to Ohio State this past year, like left high school early to go to Ohio State, be behind C.J. Stroud. I guess the coaching staff and the recruiters did not expect, or Ewers included, did not expect Stroud to be good. So after one year at Ohio State, he's already on the transfer portal looking to go back to one of the Texas schools. I think Texas Tech is one of the favorites. He's from that area. I'm still like just don't understand why he committed to Ohio State in the first place. I guess maybe he felt like he committed to Ohio State, signed $3 million worth of NIL deals, mm-hmm. didn't play roughly more than like 10 or 15 snaps or whatever it was, and then now here we are. Um, well, so he committed to Ohio State, but then – ends up reclassifying because of the NIL deals and okay. his ability to make money and the fact that Texas didn't allow NIL deals, Texas high school. So he wouldn't have been able to make money off his likeness if he stayed at Texas. $3 million, difficult to turn down. So he reclassifies, more power to him, makes that cash. And this would have been, this upcoming year, would have been his freshman year. That's why he committed to Ohio State in the first place. He would have sat one year behind Stroud, theoretically. Now this would be his second year behind Stroud. Dude wants to play football. He probably he took a fall off. This was going to be a senior year. He wanted to have, I mean, like, you go from being the guy to all of a sudden never playing it down. That has to be tough. And I think that's the biggest thing here He's, and why transfer portal, a lot of people are going to be wanting him. But I think it might not end up, I think, like, the tea leaves go to Texas because he's obviously from the area. But it might end up being Texas Tech over a program like Texas because I'm not sure Texas is going to be able to say wholesale guarantee he's we're, the guy. you're the starter. Yeah, like, he's still, you know, 18-year-old. Like, he's still a, a freshman realistically in college i'm not sure texas is going to be able to guarantee you're going to be our quarterback and i think that's why he wants to transfer he wants to go somewhere and play football because shit playing football is fun i I guess i guess i just don't know what he thought when he first committed to ohio state like did he always think he was going to transfer because cj stroud was this big arm you know five-star recruit that was not supposed to be terrible and if he plays well he was going to be sitting behind cj Stroud. i just don't know why he didn't go four star i don't know why he didn't go somewhere to play out of the gate initially like why like why did he even go through this whole 
song and dance. Why didn't he go to like Texas Tech last year? They would have started him this year. You know, they would have played him this year. So I guess I'm just confused at like the original mm-hmm. rationale. But three million dollars in NIL deals to play two total offensive snaps at Ohio State. It's not bad business for Quint Ewers. I'm excited to watch him play because the hype is fucking unreal. People think this guy's God. Um, him and Arch Manning, I think, are guys that they're gonna have to meet a ton of hype when he gets to college football. Does he still have the blonde mullet? That's all I Yeah, he still know. has the blonde mullet. Okay, nice. That's all I care about. Brian Kelly legitimately made my weekend, by the mm. way. He's also on the sketch and early buzz. That video of him doing the i'm here with my family made me i could not stop laughing at that video i watched it like five thousand times he was it's a great year to be a tiger it's a great day great night great night to be a tiger why i could not believe can you do you have any explanation for the fucking absurdity of that video it was I mean, it was a politician. It is what it was. I mean, like you see, like politicians code switch and go to like places where they're not from and try to talk like the people that they're trying to pander to. This is exactly what that was. Brian Kelly's dad was a politician, I believe, in the Boston area. That is, but very indicative of his personality and who he is is a scheming behind the scenes sort of politician, and that's like very like that it's not surprising to me but it also is hilarious it makes you look like uh fraud fraud. makes you look like a fraud and like i get a temporary code switch you know you're in passing with someone trying to impress you like imitate their cadence a little bit i've seen that live in the flesh before but this isn't a temporary situation here you are going to be at lsu for the foreseeable future you can't keep this fucking gig up you know you can't just keep talking in this fake southern accent your entire tenure you can't he sounded ridiculous, and I think the players can't, you can't do it. You, if do you think he? There's no way he keeps this up, right? It has to fade know. back into yeah. standardized I mean, he got, Kelly. He this obviously came back to him. There's no way him and the entire team has not seen all of this. I hope he can laugh at it honestly. And you have to laugh at that. Yeah. You have to come back. Like, I guess they had too much gumbo. I'm a fucking moron. Like yeah. if you do anything else, you are you're an idiot. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But you have to laugh at it. it's hilarious that at the beginning of the week, Monday. Everyone's like skies falling. Brian Kelly's leaving by the end of the week. It's like every Notre Dame fan in America is like legitimately happy about oh, yeah. how everything turned out. So he far. left the program in a great place. You mentioned yeah. that last week, right? I mean, Marcus yeah. Freeman is awesome, and I think that is going to ring true. And and how much success Notre Dame continues to have. As for Brian Kelly, I mean, he's going to be. I'm, I'm interested to see how that pans out, man, because the start is like a joke. The start has been a legitimate clown show. Where's yeah. the red? And nose? they still don't even have coordinators. This is now Brent Venables. Brent Venables, the Clemson defense coordinator mastermind, really, leaving his son, by the way. Brent Venables' son still plays for Clemson. Maybe he'll transfer. Who knows? He goes to be the head coach at Oklahoma. Now, where's your head at here? Do you see this as a massive hire for Oklahoma or a bigger loss for Clemson? I honestly think it's a bigger loss for Clemson. I, I I think Oklahoma, he's one of the best defensive minds in college football. And I think that's the biggest thing. You watch Clemson and the difference, basically, innovation-wise or schematically, how how well they do from a coaching perspective, offensively versus defensively, is probably like the, is honestly like gap-wise the difference between Oklahoma was in recent years offensively and defensively. Like they, Brett Venables is a top five coordinator defensive mind in all of college football. Like he's been that good and his ability to transition between a number of different defenses is very impressive over his career at Clemson. Like we go back to the year they won the national championship a few years ago against 
Alabama with Trevor Lawrence. Like, 16 points to Alabama in that game. Yeah. Allowed. Like, it was Trevor Lawrence obviously played out of his mind down that stretch, but that defense was a monster. Next year, 23 points only to Justin Fields and that Ohio State team. Like, they had, they could put up, put up performances against top teams. So, from that perspective, Oklahoma, they have struggled mightily on the defense side of the ball. It's big for them. They just have to knock out the park, the offensive coordinator position, because that is obviously not a strength. And from a, he does not strike me as like, he strikes me as a coordinator personality wise. Yeah, yeah. Like he ha- he doesn't have that, uh, and it's kind of the, one of the biggest reasons he stayed as just a defensive coordinator for as long as he did, almost a decade at Clemson, is because in the past he had not really wanted to even be that's the word for have. head coaching jobs. So this is an interesting move, but honestly, to me, the bigger impact is going to be felt by Clemson because I don't think there's any replacing him. Uh, on that staff. I, mean, I think that's the worry I have, right? I think when you saw Notre Dame first seeking out a new head coach, you talked about, you know, head coach is a CEO. A head coach manages other people. That's their primary yeah. role. Venable's biggest strength is calling plays and building this defense out. And you have to give him that opportunity at Oklahoma. While obviously he has these responsibilities to be that CEO, to manage these other people. I think balancing both those things is so oftentimes easier said than done. So fitting him with the right coordinators, like including like recruiting like type coordinators, like a Freeman type that can come in and be a lead recruiter as your coordinator, I think is going to be super important as well. Last thing here on the college football space in the catch and early buzz segment, Mario Cristobal, after one of the weirdest like news, like what were they doing? Like Miami well, they Diaz, had to hire an Athletic director and a head coach. So they hire but, Clemson's AD. Yeah. They hire uh, their AD. The AD comes over from Clemson. Meanwhile, Manny Diaz, the head coach at Miami, is still doing recruiting trips in like kids' living rooms. Yeah. On the brink of being fired. Then Mario Cristobal officially decides to join Miami, be the new head coach. Manny Diaz is out at Miami. Cristobal comes over from Oregon. Are you all that impressed with this hire? Is Miami changing the landscape of college football, as USC said with Lincoln Riley, as LSU is saying with Brian Kelly, all that stuff? Well, I'm at least impressed with the difference being like the outlaying of cash for the program. And that's the biggest thing with their hire of the new athletic director, with their hire of Cristobal, is they are willing to invest more cash into this program to get the job done now. Have they got the right guys to do it? That's a big TBD, in my opinion. I have not been terribly impressed with Mario Cristobal. He, you know, quote unquote, changed around Oregon, but his records in his five years there were seven and six, nine and four, 12 and two, four and three, 10 and three. And in three of those years, he inherited Justin Herbert. You know, he inherited a top six pick top six pick at quarterback who all of a sudden lit the NFL on fire and looked better in the NFL from day one than he ever did at Oregon. So, he can recruit. That has been his MO at Oregon. Can he develop? I don't know. We talk about a lot of their players coming out being raw. Like that Kayvon Thibodeau, three years there. We still talk about him being raw. I'm not sure they've necessarily had the best development over the course of his tenure at Oregon. So weird situation. I uh, Michael Ryan Ruiz, who's part of the uh, Dan Lampard show, said that if it, if it wouldn't have been Cristobal, they would have kept Manny Diaz, which is such a weird spot to be in as a program oh my to where God. they don't actually want to fire you. They just want one other guy instead. If we can but, get this guy, yeah. imagine telling your girlfriend that. If, like, she, <laughs> yeah. I'll dump you if I can get her, but if not, you know, we could stick around. Exactly. Just, uh, that failed trust, you might as well just call it right there. They're lucky they got Cristobal, I'll tell you that. Exactly. Because that would have been a very difficult situation to be in. If Offense was- to mend. <laughs> it's like blowing... And M80 through it. That's incredible. All right, let's get into the NFL review. Before we do, 
Got a shout out on X Chair. Working from home is more important now than ever. Optimize your home office with an X Chair and our many of our X accessories to enhance your focus, productivity, energy, and comfort. Once you feel the customized support of X Chair's patented dynamic variable lumbar, there's no going back. It's all in the LMX massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for X Chair with versatile comfort and extraordinary design. X Chair fits any space. High performance, quality engineering extreme comfort. Those are all the reasons I love my X chair. Now I can't wait to be at work. And sometimes, even if I'm not working, I sit in my chair, my X chair, just to get that feeling. Go to xchairtailgate.com now. That's X, the letter X, chair, T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E.com or call one 844 xchair for $100 off your order. X chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairtailgate.com. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Kicking things off with, I want to start with our, actually, before we get to the NFL slate, college football playoff reaction. Mm-hmm. Michigan, Georgia. Georgia favored by seven and a half. Alabama, Cincy. Cincy only a 13 and a half point dog, which I was surprised by. I thought this number would be deep into the 20s. Only a 13 and a half point dog against Alabama. My initial reaction was Bama and the points. Take it now before it gets to 14, 14 and a half, et cetera. Ooh. I think Alabama is going to go in there and route them up. Michigan, UGA. I wanted to back a dog here. But I don't think they match up well with Georgia. And I know Georgia's coming off loss against Bama, but Bama, what they did so well was throw the ball. Yeah. Can't rush the passer. You know, Georgia really struggled to rush the passer against Bama. Gets a bad, you know, one of the worst Bama offensive lines we've seen in a while, right? Like, this is not the juggernaut Bama offensive line. And the secondary is getting beat deep consistently. I don't think Michigan has those dogs, right? They have the dogs with Hassan Haskins, Blake Corum, that offensive yeah. line to run the football. But I'll tell you what right now, Georgia may have lost to Bama and it was a blowout. They're not losing if your your go-to ammo is running the football. I think Michigan just doesn't match up with, well with Georgia. I think Georgia wins. Maybe they don't cover the 7.5 because Michigan's blue blood fought, but I think Georgia does win that game. Yeah, as I say, Georgia lost to Alabama, but what they really lost to was Bryce Young and James Williams. Yeah. You know, like they, they lost to a dynamic aerial duo that is going to be a possible number one pick and a possible wide receiver one in their class. Like that, That's what they lost to. They didn't lose to a well schemed rushing attack like they, they shut that down in their sleep like they have whether the run to run game tuesdays or whatever yeah they, they this this d-line still shut down alabama's rush game so yeah i like georgia in that one i like cincy though in the other one i, I think cincy defensively to cover to win to cover okay thank god sets up better as well how they scheme their defense and just from a talent perspective with the corners they have on the outside compared to georgia's corners and without John Mechie, which is also another big factor in this game, who obviously tore his ACL in the SC Championship game, I like them to slow down the passing attack a lot better than Georgia did. Uh, because, well, one, Georgia didn't actually pressure Bryce Young. Like, they didn't get to him in that game. I thought Bryce Young so, looked really good in that game. I mean, he did. We haven't talked about, about that. Like, that, that was, you know, I was talking about, you know, Hutch for Heisman, all this shit. Bryce Young, like, solidified the Heisman in that one. Yeah, he goes I in, he was, like, the most dominant player on that football field, and just... Just, just dotted them up, dotted up Georgia. If they, yeah. if Bama plays Georgia again, I don't think expect anything different either. Like that Georgia weakness that is rushing the passer and turning it on on passing downs isn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. I think this Bama offense can still go back even without John Mechie. Right, John Mechie tears his ACL. They are fucking loaded deep at receiver. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. I think Bama Georgia. If it is a rematch in the national championship, I think yeah. it's another Bama dub. Yeah, and just going back to the t- the two times Bama's defense or excuse me offense really struggled in the past handful of weeks, or I guess probably only two times this season, LSU-Auburn. 24 points against Auburn. That's in, obviously, OT, where they score in regulation, like 13 points or whatever, 10 points. 20 points against LSU. 
press man teams. And since he's going to play press man, or at least press coverages across the board, that is what they do. And they have the guys to do it in uh, Kobe Bryant and uh, Sauce Gardner. Like those guys, and, and without, you know, without uh, John Mechie, you can just have Sauce go follow Jameson Williams around the football field. And they probably will. I would imagine they would because I think they'd be silly not to with how dynamic that dude is. So I, I think they can at least limit Alabama's offense. Now, running game, different story. I think Alabama still can, can pound it uh, against Cincy's defense. But I, I think they – I don't foresee them throwing up a 40-burger against Cincy's defense. I just think Cincy's defense is very good still and, like, has NFL dudes. That would be huge for Cincy. Yeah. That would be massive. If they can keep this within 10, 7, mm-hmm. when Georgia, you know, the quote-unquote best team in the country, got gets blown out. Like, that would be – that would be massive for the group of five, right? Just just show up against yeah. Bama. Because I think a lot of people expect it, myself included. I stand by what I said. This would be a blowout. I think Cincinnati's going to struggle on offense. I don't know if they're going to be able to move the football – in Alabama, as good as Sauce Gardner is, and as good as the Cincinnati defense is, I still think they they, they route route up Cincinnati pretty handily there. But after what you said, I think I might sprinkle a little bit on the Cincinnati money line. I want to bet a dog For money line. Whole win. I want to bet a dog money line that night just to have a good time, and I think I will do it then. Um, on to Cowboys at Saints, the Thursday night game. Saints were four and a half point dogs at home. Never looked close in this one. CeeDee Lamb balled out. Micah Parsons played well. Demarcus Lawrence is back. This this Cowboys team. Getting healthy where it needs to be. Even with the Ezekiel Elliott injury, you have Tony Pollard showing up in this game. This Dallas Cowboys team, when healthy, is fucking good. And I think 8-4 and four now on the season. I think people are sleeping on this Cowboys team because they've had some bad losses with injuries. Mari Cooper's been banged up. CeeDee Lamb's been banged up. This offensive line's a joke in terms of injuries. Tyron Smith's been hurt all the time. This Cowboys team, when healthy across the board, yeah. can go to toe-to-toe with anyone in the NFC. And I think you saw that against the Saints. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to crown them for beating Taysom Hill. Um this to me was more about fact. The Saints defense is good. Saints defense is good. Putting up twenty seven on the Saints defense is good. Yeah, I mean, still Taysom Hill and the multiple turnovers that he had were pretty brutal. I mean, he just and also the broken finger. But the Saints team is in a bad way, and they are five and seven. And that's the bigger thing to me. A bigger takeaway here uh, because I wasn't overly impressed with the Cowboys offense. And like you said, Saints defense is solid, but like. Saints are screwed is what I it's my biggest takeaways. They're not things are not getting better this season and you are sixty one million dollars over the cap in twenty twenty two. And now they have a path to getting under. It's not like they're gonna have to go cut everybody, but they're not going to be able to get a quarterback, at least like an NFL proven quarterback, because you're not fitting an NFL proven quarterback salary under this cap. You're not really fitting like any real free agents under this cap. And you're going to be in that, I guess, not necessarily in this draft, no man's land of quarterback position, but like you're going to be in the mid-range, middle of the first round, trying to get your franchise guy at the quarterback position. And they're kind of just going to be, again, kicking the can down the road. And for the Saints, that's why we said it last offseason. It was like that was a crucial offseason in terms of how much what they needed to do for their contracts or what they needed to do as a franchise to get back into Super Bowl contention. And they kind of went for one last hurrah with Jameis Winston and we're seeing that that was not probably the right move. Yeah, at any point you're going for one last hurrah with Jameis Winston, I think you're putting yourself in a really bad position. Um, This Saints, you have to hope that they finally like 
nuke it, right? They finally like take their L's and and just eat all this stuff, right? Or do you think they try and hodgepodge another I don't know. like? I think they the- hodgepodge. I mean, I don't. I don't think they have. They kicking. know any other way. Like they don't know any other way. That is what they do. Bucks at Falcons. Bucks win thirty seventeen. This game wasn't as big of a blowout, you know, to start, but it kind of got away from the Atlanta Falcons late. I think you look at this game, and we talked about the Cowboys when they're healthy, they can be dominant. The Bucks when they are healthy can be absolutely dominant. Brady had legitimately anything he fucking wanted downfield. Yeah. The, Falcons secondary, you know, maybe Sands, AJ Terrell was distraught, legitimately distraught, and you couldn't, they couldn't get pressure. Falcons defensive line could not get pressure. Tristan Wirfs had a, a really high grade in this game. It was literally anything they wanted. I think the only thing that kept this game even close that pick six to Marlon Davidson yeah. right at, right right before the end of the half was just like what the fuck was Brady doing? One of the just, most like, took a playoff like took it like took yeah. a playoff was late and behind Fournette I think on a dump off there. Davidson takes it in right before the half. It's the only reason this score even looks close. But look on the other side of the ball, Falcons offensive line getting eaten alive. I think it was five plus sacks in this game. Couldn't get anything going really outside of a couple big plays on the ground. Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson early. But really, this Falcons team beat down in the trenches, beat down in the secondary. The Bucks team, obviously the better team, start to finish. Yeah, the Davidson pick was one of the most improbable plays. <laughs> like you'll see all year. Brady throwing a two-minute drill screen interception for a touchdown. Pick six. I was blown away It was just... That. I can't say. It almost, it I'm almost not sure felt he's ever like, done that. You know? <laughs> it almost felt wrong. Like it yeah. almost felt like they someone Stealing. messed up. Yeah, you know, it was <laughs> like they just stole something. Yeah, but it was uh, like you said, not really as close as it was. The Bucks are similar to last year, getting healthy at the right time. We didn't even talk about it in the pre uh, preview of this one, but Carlton Davis was back. Oh, got yeah. activated right the day before the game. Comes in, eight eight targets, three catches, forty one yards, two pass breakups. The secondary is going to be healthy soon and the secondary at full strength is scary and that's and now the port is today richard sherman when he comes back we'll be playing safety which i always get intrigued by those corner oh, safety yeah. transitions like when charles woodson did it and all of a sudden turned Smart into like, it was like a too. top five coverage grade at safety it was just like i always get intrigued by those so charles woodson came back to oakland yeah that was, was playing lit. well at like 35 so lit i was so lit yeah Man, that Raiders team was was fun. Hashtag fun, but not not good. Obviously not good, <laughs> but fun. Um, yeah, I mean, Bucks and Cowboys. I, I, I still feel good about those two teams in the NFC. I think everyone's crowning the Cardinals, and we'll get to that game. I think we're, maybe it's next. It's next. Cardinals win, beat Bears 33-22. Bears were seven-and-a-half-point dogs at home. So many of these interceptions from Dalton were not his fault. This is the, you know, um, what's that movie with Robin Williams and uh, oh. Damon? Uh, Huh, good will hunting, hunting where he's like it's not your fault Dalton. it's not your fault i mean this was i mean the early interception bounced off the dude's hands then he had cole Komet, who's literally playing volleyball volleyballed one up to his hands i mean it was um it was a tough start i think that put them in an early hole right and then you saw arizona continue to press and then you saw dalton press it fourth interception was an absolute backbreaker that took this game out of you know out of reach for the, you know, the chicago bears because i don't think the cardinals were all that dominant i think it was just self-inflicted mistakes from the chicago bears four ints that were legitimately not entirely dalton's fault you had mm-hmm. some really bad play from the bears skill skill players i thought they handled themselves well on the ground david McNary David Montgomery ran the football well. Cardinals' run defense looked bad. But if they didn't make those turnovers, I think they keep this game closer. Four picks, that's going to cost you. Yeah, I mean, the games like this really make you think, what was the plan with Andy Dalton? Why did they ever sign Andy Dalton? Like, they have Nick Foles on the bench right now. They are the same guy. 
They, they are indistinguishable from a performance perspective. And honestly, like the highs of Nick Foles have been far higher than the highs of Andy Dalton. And they are costing, between the two of them, nearly $12 million against the cap this year to play horrendous football when you draft Justin Fields too. And next year, we'll count for at least $10 million against the cap next year. Between the two of them. I, I think, I think honestly, though, I push back a little bit. I, I think the bigger concern isn't, you know, quarterback plays butt cheeks, and they're trying to groom Justin Fields, whatever. But, like, how is the supporting cast so bad? Like, they have, like... The, the, well, you're the, paying $12 million to guys who suck at quarterback. Yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess that does contribute to. to it, right? You know, like, I mean, they cut both tackles to pay those two quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's been, it's definitely been malpractice in terms of roster building. Because there's zero reason yeah. this team should be as bad talent-wise offensively as it is. And you got guys volleyballing picks to other people. And defensively, a couple injuries like Cleo Mack and company, and this thing doesn't even, can't even work. I mean, they're, they're um, the Bears are in a really fucking bad spot. Like, they need to reset at multiple positions. They need to build around Justin Fields and take a two, three-year approach and kind of reset in a lot of these older players, too. Maybe trade away some of the older players because this was an ugly – like, this is a winnable game for the Bears, in my opinion, yeah. if they don't throw four completely disastrous picks. Like, a completely winnable game, but um, it just doesn't pan out. I don't even think Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, James Conner, they had some highlight plays in this one, but I don't even think they looked all that spectacular against what's obviously a very bad Bears team. Yeah, I will say, so I'll say this about the Cardinals, flip side of the ball. Their defense has far outperformed my expectation for this defense. I thought they were going to be playing shootout after shootout with this offense, but the defense is very much improved, and I hate myself for not predicting it because they had two of my favorite guys in their secondary coming out of the draft. Byron Murphy was super high on him. He's been a breakout player this year, 14th highest coverage grade among cornerbacks, and then Jalen Thompson at safety, the guy who was the uh, supplemental, draft. supplemental draft pick, who I loved his tape at Washington State, was like, could not believe he fell to the fifth round of the supplemental draft. I was like, this guy should not fall past the third in the supplemental draft. 12th coverage. I had another one of your guys grade show up in this game, safety. too. So. Zach Allen with that pick. Zach, Zach Allen almost took one back. The Boston College defensive tackle. I also think Byron Murphy, there's that play. Go back and there's a play he gets called for like a personal foul. That was horseshit. He comes oh, in yeah. and lays the that wood. Great. That was so – that was not a personal foul. There's a lot of penalties in this game that was kind of like BS. I'll say that. But um, – Let's get off this game. Any any other major takeaways? I, I feel like the Cardinals could have played better. I don't think the Cardinals played all that well. Yeah. They got saved by a, just a shitty-ass offense. Four picks uh, on the offense side of the ball for the Bears. I think that's going to kill you. Chargers-Bengals. This game, even though the score, like this final score isn't great, and it, like the Chargers pulled away late, was awesome. This game was awesome between game. two like really good young quarterbacks. I know everyone wants to pick a side. Mm-hmm. And I think if you had to peel the curtain back, who had the better game? Justin Herbert, he won the football game. Who had the more highlight real plays? Justin Herbert. But you go back and watch what Joe Burrow was doing, specifically to come back into this game, because they were down 24-0. 24-0. And they were able to claw their way back because Joe Burrow was making a handful of really good plays. Um, I think Justin Herbert, man, the arm town. You look at the opening drive, dime to Mike Williams, one of the big-time throws he had in this game. And then fourth down in the red zone, Brandon Staley elects to go for it. And he lights off an absolute nuke to Keenan Allen to fit into a tight window. That was like, I'm in. I'm on Justin Herbert. I'm all in on Justin Herbert. The Bengals fall into a really big 24-0 hole. Almost claw their way back. And then Joe Mixon fumbles. Red zone interception from Joe Burrow. That thing calls it. Yeah, my hot take for this game. And Chargers and Bengals fans just want out the blood. They want everyone dead. Yeah. They, after the game, I mean, so Burrow ends up with the higher PFF grade, actually. He had a lot of really, really good throws in this game. Really good throws. My hot quote-unquote hot take is this game was not decided by the quarterbacks whatsoever <laughs> it was decided by ancillary positions because joe burrow threw the best throw no herbert had the best throw of the day second best throw of the day was joe Her- justin herbert 
God Joe damn, Burrow. I'm all, the Joe two J's got me all in my <laughs> Joe in my head Burrow. Right now. The Joe Burrow Jamar Chase. to Jamar Chase. Too many J's and all of that. Mm-hmm. That was then dropped and then picked. Yeah. Like that was the that and the mix and fumble touchdown were massive swings because that's a 79 yard touchdown. It's huge. If Chase catches that. Yeah. In stride, didn't have to break. He would have outran Michael Davis because he runs a 4 3. And that like that completely changes the game right there. And then obviously the mix and fumble was the nail in the coffin. But uh, if you would so to change that, if like people were, were all up in arms, oh Joe Burrow had the higher PFF grade, what the hell? If you change that play to a touchdown, Joe Burrow goes twenty five of forty for three seventy nine with two touchdowns and a pick. Like Joe Burrow's stats were lights out in that game. If you change that to a touchdown, and if you change the Herbert touchdown to Jalen Guyton, which was a literal jump ball for Jalen Guyton against Jesse Bates, DPI though. Was he called? DPI? He was called DPI. Oh, was it? okay. Well, Jesse Bates legitimately looked back at the end and could have picked that. Like it was a underthrown. Had them both stopped right there, was a zero graded play. Yeah, like, it, it was yeah, impressive but, from an arm talent yeah. perspective. But it was a legitimate awesome. jump ball that goes to a touchdown. If you take that away from him and call it a pick, because that's far more likely to be picked than yeah. the throw that Burrow had to Jamar Chase. He goes twenty five of thirty five, two seventy three, two touchdowns, two picks. Like that, they were they played very evenly. It was not decided there. They're both incredibly good quarterbacks. They are franchise quarterbacks, and neither fan base in a million years would want to trade their guy for the other guy. That's fair. I mean, neither I, one would. I I don't think it's a fucking bad take to come out of this game and say, "Damn, both those guys played well." I think mm-hmm. the sequence of events that was really impressive. Yes. So. Justin Herbert looks amazing on the opening drive. The dime to Mike Williams on the rifle on fourth down yeah. to Keenan Allen for the touchdown. Next drive, Burrow gets strip sacked real quick. Boom. Yeah. They go. They. I think they score again. The next drive, it's third and sixteen. Joe Burrow has this fucking absolute dime to Tiggins to extend the play. Very next player, a couple plays after that, is the Jamar Chase deep ball should be a mm-hmm. touchdown pick that really does change that game. And he still claws back in, yeah. still claws back in that game. That game's twenty four twenty two, I believe, before you start to see the Chargers pull away. That's when the Joe Mixon backbreaker fumble hits, and then that red zone interception from Burrow was ass. I mean, he you can't. Yeah, hit that, was that was the worst. That was one. That was the worst mistake he had. Can we also talk about? I know. I know we're spending a lot of time on this game, and everyone wants to talk about the fucking quarterbacks. But that Chidobe Awuzie interception of Herbert when he gets back to the ball was absolutely sick. That was. That was insane. Yeah. No one talked about that play enough. That was, that was a one really we, like, dope ass play. We did not call a turnover worthy play. Like, yeah, because it, it, sli- it was slightly underthrown, it but was like, honestly, Awuzie had underthrown. Probably a negative point five because it brought the DB back into it to break it up. Yeah, like it would have been broken up, but that's never a play in a million years you think is going to be. That possible. interception was yeah. insane. I mean, and and. Austin Eckler sneaks out of this game without a ton of blame because the two fumbles the only reason the Bengals came back in this game. He had two yeah. fumbles that honestly gave the Bengals life in this one. But, man, that was a fucking great-ass game. Yeah. Great-ass game despite putting two fan bases at war. Chase, though. Go back to, back to Jamar Chase. Now eight drops on 63 catchable. <laughs> that drop the, the hands, And he's 0 for his last 10 contested catches. Oh, my it's God. 5 of 25. You can't call season. that one that was a pick was contested. That was not. No, that wasn't even. That does, that's not insane. Even so, like, 0 for 11. I don't know. But that was, that's rough to see, man. That is rough to see. That drop was gross. Yeah. That and the Cole Komet drop. And I think there's one more we'll go over in one of these games. And then, oh, the Gerald Everett one. Yeah, we'll get to Gerald Everett. <laughs> that later. was, I mean, they're just, people are just dropping pick. It was a yeah. PFF party because MPFF <laughs> loves those plays because they're positive plays for QB, whatever. Um, before we get to Vikings-Lions, which is another nail-biter that no one expected, today is the last day to use promo code CYBER40 on PFF.com for 40% off any PFF subscription. If you support Mike and I, say you like us, go to PFF.com, use CYBER40, 
Get access to any PFF subscription for 40% off. Grades, advanced stats, article content, all that shit. Betting. You want to bet as much as me, go to pff.com, Cyber 40. Lions at home, seven-point dogs against the Vikings. They win 29-27. Dan Campbell, I'm, I, I think I fucking love Dan Campbell. When he goes to the podium and shouts out the kids who, who um, died in the Oxford shooting, that was fucking awesome. That, yeah. He is every bit like a guy that you want to support, and I think like, players that will go around. And I think a lot, a lot of times in the offseason we talked about coaches who can create buy-in. Mm-hmm. This team is dog shit, and he's creating buy-in, like buy-in from these players. I, I, I am a huge – I know he's the butt of a lot of jokes, and like – I think he still can be the butt of jokes. That's fine. That's part of it, right? That's part of the culture he's setting up. But this culture in Detroit is legit ironclad. And now if it's a second losing season, a third losing season, not all the buy-in in the world is going to help you from like four or five wins in three years. But I still have to respect what Dan Campbell has done in Detroit because these guys are fighting every single fucking time. That, that was a really cool thing to see at the end of that game. Well, you see the stark personality difference in this game, in the coaches, in the head coaches, between him – and Mike Zimmer. Oh, yeah. Like, Zimmer, I'm not going to say he doesn't have buy-in for players. I'm not going to say that. But, like, players coach, like, not the same. It's just not the same energy that he's bringing to the table. He is one of the best DC's defensive minds in all of football. He is not that type of personality at the head coaching position. And this, truthfully... It's probably the nail in the coffin for him. I think it might be. I think it might be. I think we highlighted in preseason that Mike Zimmer should at least be nearing the hot seat because it has not been – they have not exceeded expectations in Minnesota. I don't care how you slice it. They have yeah. not exceeded expectations. People are expecting more more wins, more points, more consistent success from Minnesota. And in this game, Detroit gets off to an early lead. Yeah. Like Minnesota can't put things together. Detroit gets out to an early lead. And then you have – Jared Goff throws this fucking disastrous pick to Dantzler that kind of sparks life for Minnesota. Mm. They end up coming up late. Then they score late. Detroit's driving down the football field. And every step of the way, the Vikings are playing like everything six, 10 yards in front of them. 10 yards in front of them. 10 yards in front of them. All the way up to the final play of the game on fourth down. They're doing the same thing. They just leave like four yards of space in front of them. This guy's in wide open. Catches it. Detroit wins and like was an absolute stunner by the people who were even on the football field. Like, what just happened? We just let them walk down the football field. It was so soft that entire final drive that like they were asking for it. They were asking for them to score. Like they did not play a single down of aggression on that last drive and lose that game ultimately because they're giving up way too much cushion. Yeah, the- they played not to lose. Like they played not to lose instead of to win. And I think you saw that in that last drive. The call, it was very reminiscent, and the first thing I thought of was the 4th and 26 and the Packers against the Eagles back way back when, because obviously I'm a Packers fan. That's My mind obviously goes there, but Darren Sharper on that play is four yards past the sticks lined up, and they throw it Darren Sharper? at the sticks. The 4th and 26 play oh, oh, against oh, the oh, Eagles oh, back oh, in the day, okay, 2003 okay. division round. 4th um, and 26, he's four yards past the sticks. Comes up, hits the guy at sticks. In this play, Xavier Woods, Cameron Dantzler, four yards into the end zone. What do they do? They come up, hit the guy one, at the one-yard line, or one, one yard into the end zone. It's like, why are you that? Like, you know with what's going to happen on this play that it's either going to be literally right at the end line or right at the goal line or all the way back at the end line. I will take my chances with trying to defar, d- defend the goal line and making them throw over the top of me at yeah. the end line. And... Shit, they just—it was far too easy of a play, and 
I, I don't think they fire Zimmer anytime soon because they'll give him the season because of I was gonna say because of <laughs> shit the NFC playoff picture, but it's going to be difficult for me to foresee him clawing back from this losing to a 0-10-1 team. I also think they'll be in this 2022 QB class just to get cheaper at the position and potentially completely reset. Like I, I don't think they'll be pot committed to Kirk Cousins and more than interested in spending a back half of the first round or even like top of the you know middle of the second round pick on one of these quarterbacks. One of these yeah. guys just to come in and compete and try and get cheaper at the position, try and chase a bigger edge than what Kirk Cousins obviously provides you, which is not a big enough edge to consistently win fucking football games. Before we get to Colts, Texans, DraftKings, football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. I'm sure we do. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any NFL team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet $1 in any NFL team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply to DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook. For details, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colts, Texans. I fixed the Texans to win, and they didn't. <laughs> they're Texans are nine point dogs at home and they fucking lose 31 0. It was not that bad early. It was not that bad early. This game was kind of close through the first half. They gave up the easiest. I could have scored Jonathan Taylor's first touchdown. Yeah. They, backwards. They, they could have ran backwards. It was. The Colts are up 14-0 at the half, and then just to, they end up putting Davis Mills in the fourth quarter. This Texas team just fucking flat out gave up. They have also no talent. This Texas team has no talent. I think the Kenny Moore interception, like on a Tyrod Taylor like throwaway, really set the tone for this game mm-hmm. for the Houston Texans just to really check out. I mean, this was this was a disastrous like finish. You never like saw the Texans like any finish any drives, finish any plays. I think they've like completely mailed in this season. The only team, only player even trying out there is like. Brandon Cooks, who's on an island by himself of just castaway garbage talent. I mean, I don't even know some of the players on this team. Uh, the Colts are – I don't think anyone wants to play the Colts right now. The Colts and the Patriots, which is kind of interesting in the AFC because what do those two teams have in common in the AFC, AG? Good offensive lines. Good two, best offensive lines two best offensive lines in the AFC right now. Um, they are – it would not surprise me if they catch and surpass the Titans with – just how well that offensive line is playing. Literally dominant every single game, game in and game out. Um, getting back to full health, that was the biggest thing for them. And with Michael Pittman's emergence, like this is a offense that has answers now. So this game obviously not really going to take have a big takeaway one way or the other, but Colts kind of business as usual from what the, the team they've been the past handful of weeks. I'm trying to think. Because I want to get on board with you, right? I want to get on board with you. Like, yeah, I don't want to face the Colts in the playoffs. I'm trying to think who they'd be favored uh, over in the AFC. Not the Patriots, not the Bills, not the Chiefs. Not the Chiefs. Maybe the Ravens by like one. Maybe I'd still think so the Ravens maybe, are favored. Yeah. Titans, you could see them favored because the Titans are reeling. Yeah. I think they're favored by maybe the Bengals. I, I still don't think they're the team. Like I, I am I fucking infinitely more scared of the Patriots, right? But I, do, I, do, I get what you're saying, right? I, I don't think they're as bad as people thought they were. They're not who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Giants at Dolphins. Dolph- this was free money. I said it on the show. 
Dolphins were only favored by three when yeah. we were doing the show, and it was expected that Mike Glennon might play. Yeah. Mike Glennon does play, and this Giants offense looks horrendous. They like they like, I, I don't ever want to watch that game again. No one should. On the other side of the ball, Tua, though the laughing stock of every joke, every average depth of target joke, because he only throws it short. Quick, efficient, gets the ball out on time. They win twenty to nine. Very limited mistakes from Tua. Um, they don't ask him to do a lot. He doesn't want to push the ball wholesale all the way downfield, but he doesn't have to. I mean, he's really accurate with the football. Puts it where it needs to go. I mean, I was I was impressed with this performance. I know it wasn't. This was nothing like what Herbert does. I would say it's nothing even like what Burrow does. Burrow pushes the ball downfield more effectively than Tua does, but Tua gets it out fast, on time, and accurate behind an offensive line that might be a bottom three unit in the NFL. Yeah. And the few times that they do run, like standard five- and seven-step dropbacks, he is consistently under pressure and yeah. struggles to get the ball downfield. Yeah. That's very ac- all very accurate. But you bringing up Mike Lennon actually just jogged my memory, not to go back too far and to really shit on Ryan Pace here. But that's like a footnote. Him signing Mike Lennon is like a footnote in his GM tenure now in terms of bad quarterback decisions. Mike Lennon, Nick Foles, Andy Dalton. He brought all three of those guys in for not inconsequential money, all three of those, to do dog shit for that roster. Now, back to this game. Tua, yeah, I mean, he's just he's very accurate underneath. He's I also think he puts good zip on the ball. With football. He's got more zip than fucking Burrow does. He, th- he can put some zip on the ball. They're in about a similar tier, in my opinion. Um, and he makes good decisions with football quickly. Now, like you said, drop back passing concepts are still kind of a limited aspect of this offense. They also offense. don't have but that they, good receiver outside of Waddle. But it's not something they really can do. Uh, but I thought his ball placement was great in rhythm in this game, even on throws like – now, we don't see a ton from him in that offense. Like the, uh, He had a number of sideline goes back and shoulder back shoulders that were in good spots in this game. So, yeah, graded really well. But, again, this offense is still kind of going to be until they can I, I honestly do a little bit more in terms of protecting their offensive line, giving him time to get, like, I don't know, deeper play action shots. They could stand to take more because they're still going to be so hampered by a drop or – one sack because they don't have that explosive element to this offense. And you saw in this one, four drops, uh, all, all four of them would have been either first downs or touchdowns and kind of just kill all those drives. I'm excited. I want them to have better offensive line and better receivers. I like Joe Waddle a ton, but I think after him, it's a lot of contested catch types, right? Where back shoulders to Parker, yeah. um, Easy shallow, you know, shallow stuff to Albert Wilson. I want to see like a legit separator in Miami alongside Waddle to see this offense actually work, but. As for the Giants, yikes. Don't ever turn on that tape again. Jalen Phillips, Miami Edge, rookie edge from Miami, getting some hype because I think his sack totals are jumping up, and he has eight and a half on the season. Both these sacks he had in this game were clean up. They were very much pursuit sacks, so they're gonna get he's gonna get inflated a little bit on those numbers. Don't buy into the sack numbers. I still think um Micah Parsons is objectively having a much better season than Jalen Phillips does for sure. Eagles at Jets. My guy, the man, the myth, the legend. Gardner Minshew. You can't find a better video online than Gardner Minshew sees his dad after that game. That video that is great. touching, man. I mean, the Dan Campbell video is also good, too, talking about uh, um, the Oxford shooting. But, like, man, the Gardner Minshew seeing his dad just jacked to tits was fucking awesome. Eagles win 33-18. Very pure. Very pure. pure. Very pure. Eagles win 33-18. Jets were six-and-a-half-point dogs at home. I thought this game was going to be a bit closer, but Minshew was just refusing to let up. Refusing to let up, and I also think the Eagles kicker, the, the Eagles kicker, the Eagles kicker, 
just obviously far out playing the Jets kicker. The Jets kicker couldn't fucking buy a bucket in this one. Like the consistency from Minshew, not missing plays, not turning the ball over, consistently hitting his check down. They just every, I mean, it was every, like all check downs. And it was, was all fine. check downs, but that's what it needs to be. He, he was fine. That's You're, what it needs to be. A lot more than it was. Yeah, but I, that's, I think that was absolutely so. He I did think, exactly what Zach Wilson just wouldn't do. Check the ball down, take what the defense has. Too many times Zach Wilson pushed the ball downfield, missing fucking throws. I mean, they also went for like, they went for 185 yards in the ground. They, yeah. they had, they oh, no, they were running the football like well, too. <laughs> so a little bit of a difference there. I thought this was Zach Wilson's best game all year, though. Really? But to go back to Minshew for just a second, the fact that the Jaguars gave him away, a very competent backup at worst for a six-rounder that could become a fifth is insane to me. Like Locker room guy, too. This is... Like, I get... I think they wanted him out because he was a popular figure in the Jacksonville area to try to... You know, same reason they cut Cam Newton in Carolina. But no one in Jacksonville, no one in Jacksonville was standing for him to start. I was going to say, I don't think that was that big of a deal, but I think that's why they did it. I don't think it was that big of a deal, but you could have gotten so much more than a a conditional fifth for this guy, or at the very least, two years of cheap backup, confident backup. Uh, So, raw, raw guy. Another, chalk it up on another of the questionable, shall we say, decisions of the past. I guess we can go pretty far back for the Jaguars if we want, but just of this most recent tenure, there's a good enough bevy of them already. But to Zach Wilson, I thought this was easily his best game. Like from a number of different perspectives, I thought he had a number of plays out there that could have even been uh, could have been made by his receivers that could have helped him out more. I think he had five drops on the day uh, from his receivers and a number of other ones that were like contested could have had it in rhythm. I liked. There were even like the throw on the goal line where he just throws a flat route and it gets broken up. Like he got it out of his hands. Like he was actually getting the ball, just taking chances with it and not just, oh, that's not there or that's a tight window. I'm going to now panic and freeze in the pocket and try to break out of it and try to do something on my own. There was so little of that in this game. And I think this was, like I said, quite easily his best performance yet. Uh, a number of really nice throws on his tape too. I, I thought this was... If you're looking for reasons to be encouraged from Zach Wilson, this game had the most I saw all year. I still feel myself wanting a changeup from Wilson. I feel like he's only he's always firing. No, he had, a, he had a really nice on the play action fake guy in his face layers it over a linebacker. I disagree. I disagree. He, I mean, he does. I will say he throws his underneath stuff too hard, like a slant. And some of the RPO stuff, which I actually think they could stand to use a little bit more in that offense, he will rip it in there a little too hard. And I think that's where some of the drops come from, where it's like, damn, dude, that's like, I'm 10 feet Throwing away. Throwing missiles. Uh, yeah, it's like, I'm, th- I'm 10 feet away if you, buddy. Just like, just layer, just feather it into me. But that, I, I do think like he's not Baker Mayfield level of, I only throw 95. The rippers. You know, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I still think Minshew outplayed him. Minshew outplayed him, and that's why they won this game. Uh, Jags at Rams. Rams win thirty-seven-seven. Yeah, this I've this ceased to have Jags or Texans takes on their games. They Trevor just, Lawrence is alone. <laughs> there were more designed scheme targets to Laquan Treadwell and Carlos Hyde in this game than there ever should. <laughs> Even in their fucking primes, this was a disaster. Uh, How they were throwing bubble screens to Laquan Treadwell in this offense. Yeah, this is this is cancel the season. 
Trevor Lawrence, the office fly is not playing as well as it needs to. The supporting cast is using Laquan Treadwell like they're supposed to be using Tavon Austin and, and LaVisca Chanel. Carlos Hyde is getting the lion's share of the load here. It is, uh, it, it, this, this Jaguars, Jack, Trevor Lawrence should be a, applying for wrongful something. I mean, there's harassment. There's harassment going on in Jacksonville because the fact that he has to suit up each week and play in this offense is a joke. Um, on the other side of the ball, Cooper Cup, absolute madman. Rams win big because this offense going against an inept Jaguars team is always going to roll like they did. I was going to say, nice little get-right game for the Rams. Just a uh, little layup on the road. Just take a nice W and come back home. And they didn't even have to try that hard. Yeah. They didn't have to try that hard. It was so it was so I know, it was that homish, so. everything came easy. Yeah. The Jaguars can't create pressure. On the other side of the ball, they can't fucking figure things out at all. That Aaron Donald forced fumble too. I think it got replayed a thousand times against James Robinson, where he just like Superman throws him to the ground. Looks something out of like NFL Street. It, it was absurd how quickly he's beating blocks and just throwing dudes to the ground like that. People forget Aaron Donald is dominant. I think Anthony Tresh, analyst here at PFF, had a tweet like he's not even like top four. And defensive player of the year odds because I think people are just tired. Yeah, people are bored. They, they, Voter yeah. fatigue because he hasn't had enough of those in the primetime game. He yeah. gets one in a primetime game, and all of a sudden we'll be back up. Spike up. Football team at Raiders. This game was hard to watch. Legitimately hard to watch. This Raiders team stinks. They, Darren Waller sidelined. Obviously Henry Ruggs released. Henry Hunter Renfro and then Kenyon Drake gets hurt really early in this game. Hunter Renfro is the best skill player they have by a mile. And Josh Jacobs is getting fed more in the passing game, and he had some exciting plays, probably the more some of the most exciting plays he's had in a single game this season. But like no one else on this team can separate. Not Zay Jones, not you know, not even Deshaun Jackson, not not Brian Edwards. And dude, Brian Edwards has forty two yards over his last three games. It, it is awful. I was surprised watching football team played as much zone as they did because zone is the only time they had even any open open receivers play man coverage. Guys blanketed, absolutely blanketed. The offensive line was getting destroyed on the interior. Washington consistently created pressure. I mean, Raiders could barely muster 15 points in this game. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, I mean, th- th- this Raiders team needs help. and needs help fast. Well, no Darren Waller, obviously. I think no Kenny Drake's a big thing, too. Like, they yeah. want him part of this offense. No Darren Waller, no. I mean, like the rug, since Henry Ruggs has gone down, they have averaged 18.8 points per game. They've gone down. They've gone to jail. Uh, 18.8 points per game. They've scored more than 16 points once. And that was on Thanksgiving because they had like 20 GPS. <laughs> like that's uh, – it was a big deal. Um, obviously, the Darren Wall – no Darren Wall is also a massive deal. You just had no one. It's same, same shit we just said for um, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. You've got to have guys that can get open. It's, it's still a massive part of any high-powered passing offense is open receivers because there's only so much you can do when guys are not. I, they, need, they need an injection of skill player talent. I think the, the interior offensive line needs to improve. Right tackle needs to improve. And defensively, even though they only gave up 17 points, there are, there are a lot of reasons to be concerned with this defense still. Like some of their best players are older players, soon to be free. Casey Hayward's probably their best player on defense. And he's yeah. going to be a free agent. Um, not, not their best player. Max Crosby's obviously awesome. But still, they, they, they need help on both sides of the ball fast. This is not a team that is a couple pieces away from a postseason. Even though initially we thought that, losing Henry Ruggs, losing Gruden, losing some of this continuity, you have one injury to Waller, and all of a sudden this team's like a bottom fucking five team in the NFL. It has yeah. been. What, what's your take on the football team, though? Are, are, is Heineke showing enough no, stop. to be a, maybe a long-term answer? You're joking. Uh, they are, although I will say they would. Once again, in the NFC, a season ended today, they would be in the playoffs. Wow. Football team, bulletproof. Um, I, I, 
William Jackson, to me, has been his turnaround, getting up to speed in this scheme, has been a big part of that defensive defense actually being, you know, leading them to wins. You know, what are they? Four straight wins now. And William Jackson over that span has allowed 40 yards in his coverage. That, that'll win you football games. That's the guy they signed. That's who we thought they were going to get. Um, but early on in the season, they were busted coverage machines. So I do think that that is the back end finally figuring things out. And it's kind of comical because it comes when the front end, D-line, is getting hurt with no Montez Sweat in this game. Obviously, no Chase Young the rest of the year. But the back end has the talent. We've kind of saying that they have guys that can get it done, but just were very, very underperforming early on. Ravens at Steelers. Steelers four point dogs at home. Steelers, I called it, huh? I I said this one. You called this. Steelers win twenty nineteen. We can get in the analysis of this game. I think one of my bigger takeaways before we get into obviously the decision to go for two. Lamar Jackson, for you you are you get the escapability and the exciting plays. But you get it guaranteed with some ugly sacks. You get it guaranteed with some really bad deep sacks because he you know, can do anything, can do everything. But there are going to be times where he gets caught in the grasp and he takes really bad sacks. I think it's a big reason why you know in this game he's going to come out of it with a low grade. The other reason, though, that red zone interception to start the game was fucking bad. That was yeah. awful. That, that, that put him in a really bad position. Should not have thrown that football. Then... Some missed throws, some off-target throws, and then lastly, John Harbaugh, loved the call. Creates an open tight end for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, he has to make a little bit of a move, but you've got to hit that guy. Throw some touch on that ball. Mark Andrews, they win this game. No one even talks about that decision. Yeah. If you are going to show up, look at the camera now. If you are going to show up and criticize Baltimore for that decision, you, you, can't, you have to criticize the execution just as much. Like them. Yeah. It, I would criticize the decision if he called up a play like what we saw when the Colts tried to fake that punt or whatever, and they get sacked. Like that's an, mm-hmm. that is a decision flaw. That was a well, that was a good decision. We created an open receiver for Lamar Jackson to win that game. Lamar misses him, and Harbaugh gets all the flack. I mean, you have to look at Jackson. You got to be like, hey, you got to make that throw. You make that throw, you win that game. That's bottom line. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of. Andrew slows down a touch to look at it. It wasn't like that. Blame Andrews too then. Throw. Fine. That's fine with that. It was just like it was off for whatever reason. But that's kind of been the MO of this Ravens passing attack. 35.5 passing grade for Lamar Jackson this one. They're, he now has two multiple turnover worthy plays for four straight games in the passing attack. He has been, it's been legitimately the worst football we've seen from him since his rookie year. Um, and obviously it's a high bar considering his MVP in year two. Um, it was still obviously good last year, but he is on a bad, bad stretch. And the Ravens now, the bigger takeaway from this, Marlon Humphrey out for the year, the shoulder injury. Yeah, that's brutal. That's, that's brutal. I don't want to say that's like it for them. I, I don't want to close the book on them entirely, but he was your – he was so key to what a lot of things they do. It was when you play, when you blitz as much as they do, play as much man coverage, all that stuff, cover zeros, all that stuff. You have to have one guy you can rely on that's not going to get complete burnt toast. And when he got did get complete burnt toast, Bengals game, you see what happens. The defense just gets annihilated. But vast majority of the time, he doesn't. And you can piece things together with maybe holes elsewhere. That's not going to happen now. And that was a big reason why Harbaugh said himself, that's why we went for two. We did not feel good about our chance of stopping them in overtime. Well, they're not going to feel good about the chance of stopping a lot of other offenses the rest of the season without him. And so I think the Ravens are not only in danger of, you know, obviously not competing. It, it, it could get 
bad here down the stretch because they have, I believe, a difficult schedule heading into the barn. Let's talk a little Steelers, too. Steelers win this game, right? It's not, it's not about just the Ravens losing this one. Big Ben had that dime to Deontay Johnson that he drops in the end zone. That was probably one of the only few good throws he had in this one. But they, they, a lot of the reason they come back is their receivers, Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, making some insane plays after the catch and at the catch point. And that's, I think that's the only way they win games. It's not Najee Harris getting 40 fucking touches. It's not Big Ben all of, all of a sudden finding it. Big Ben played all right, though. He played good in this game. It's Big Ben playing good enough. Yeah. And getting the ball to a healthy Chase Claypool, who's been banged up this year, and a healthy Deontay Johnson. Because mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool are dynamic, can make exciting plays at the catch point and after the catch. And that's how this offense will roll. That's how this offense can beat other teams in the AFC. I'm not picking them to be deep postseason contenders because they don't have the QB to do it. Mm-hmm. But in terms of a winning formula for Pittsburgh, I really do think it's like just just get enough. Just get enough from Big Ben to get Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool cooking after the catch and stuff. Okay. I mean, that's how they got into big wins last year. That's how they yeah. won last year. Here, here, listen to this Ravens schedule, though, down the stretch. Go to Cleveland next week. Who's coming off a bye? It'd be rough. Packers week after that. Yikes. In Baltimore? In Baltimore. Helpful, but yikes. Cincy in Cincy. Day after Christmas. Could be tough. Rams. Day after Christmas, too. You're and then full. Steelers. Those are your final That's five games. Ugly, ugly final five. That is your final five. They are eight and four currently, obviously still atop the division. But I mean, of those games, how many they're going to be favored in? Probably against the Browns. Then that Steelers probably, against probably the Steelers, favored again. But probably not against the Packers, probably not against the Rams. And on the road against the Bengals, I would not foresee that either. That's and the AFC is not like the NFC. No Marlon Humphrey. Your your final wild card in the AFC right now. Is a seven and five team. They're they're not. They're gonna have to. It's a dangerous road. Yeah. It's a dangerous road ahead for Baltimore. So, so That's I'm just what you're saying. saying. They better figure out that offense quick. Is what I'm saying. 49ers Seahawks. 49ers are three and a half point favorites on the road against Seattle. And I doubted Seattle, and I honestly thought this was a 49ers game up until like the final seconds. Like everything was bouncing the 49ers yeah. way. George Kittle finally showed up, made some phenomenal plays after the catch to score multiple times this game. But the reason Seahawks win is this sporadic, holy shit, rust moments. There's so many times they're like, oh my God, that was a fucking dime. Dime to DK Metcalf that set up a touchdown. Dime to Tyler Lockett in the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. And even that Gerald Everett dropped interception, that should have been a touchdown. They should have been winning by more points in this game. Russell Wilson finally looks like Russell Wilson. I think on the preview show, I was like, yeah. he's not healthy yet. He's playing unhurt. I think he's finally healthy now because he played phenomenal. I mean, it wasn't even... Yeah, he had like multiple throws that were his best throws yeah. since... Yeah getting hurt and that and that's all it takes some time that's all it yeah. takes with seattle and you can mm-hmm. get russ wilson having the deep ball success that he had in this one you can beat the 49ers team that's favored by three and a half at home yeah nick big nick Ballor bounce back game oh here we go after after his uh penalty on monday night football it cost him the onside kick force fumble didn't first, cost him the game don't give him that i said it cost him the onside kick they had the forced fumble coming out of halftime, lead blocks on two scores. That was a big Nick Blur bounce back game. All the Seahawks really needed was a Nick Blur bounce back game. That's all you, that's it? <laughs> I mean, I, the Seahawks are dead in the water, though. I think the bigger thing here is the 49ers and their defense, specifically this defensive line, is living and dying by Nick Bosa. They are 23rd in team pass rushing grade. Two, you would have, if you had told me this defensive line back in 2019, when they were utterly dominant, when they had, you know, no one could contain that group of Buckner, Armstead, Bosa, D. Ford, that it would have fallen off this hard in two years. I, I would not have believed you, but that is where they are. Um, 
the the Javon Kinlaw pick obviously not worked not worked out so far. He was four games this year on IR, wasn't even that good in the four games he did play. They don't have guys stepping up. Eric Armstead's taking a step back. Obviously Bosa is Bosa, but man, this defense. I think Eric Rocker had a good tweet. Who's a 49ers fan? He's in the Bay Area. He's cornerback, uh, former NFL cornerback. Said the 49ers defense aligns what everyone thinks their secondary is, which is very true. <laughs> That's a good point. That's they're a good just. Don't have they're not getting it done. Seahawks down the stretch at Houston, dub, then at LA will be their Super Bowl. That'll essentially be their Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. You lose that game, yeah. and you, you stick a fork in them. Then you got Bears at home, could be a dub. Lions at home, could be a dub. They beat the Rams on the road. We can talk. We can start, uh, we're starting to build this thing here. Yeah. And then you got the Cardinals at home to close out the season. Would need to be like a nine and seven or nine and eight wild card team. A lot has to fall right for the. For the Seattle Seahawks, I think they're cooked, but still. Broncos at Chiefs, Sunday Night Football. Chiefs favored by 9.5. They cover that number. Chiefs win 22-9. to I feel that Javante Williams looked really good. Teddy Bridgewater wasn't horrendous. You're joking. He was. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like he wasn't horrendous to start this game. He wasn't horrendous to start this game. He was. But then he played losing football down the stretch. Losing football had some terrible picks. and uh, He completed one pass that wasn't in garbage time. Eight or more yards on field. One Ke- pass. Kept him on schedule. Kept him on schedule. He, he one pass. That was. I mean, like the the wind. They should have moved to Drew Lock earlier. I, he, he couldn't cut. I, I mean, Mahomes was affected by the wind too. He had some uncharacteristically off-target passes, but Teddy was just not even close. Like straight up, not even close. Like they they had no chance with Teddy at quarterback in this game. Sadly, then that's why a lot. Of, you know. I would switch to Locke. He has at least a better arm to do something because when Javante Williams wasn't picking up every first down Mike for Boone you. Mike Boone, too. Mike Boone played well. Mike Boone, one. you were not moving the football. This Broncos, this Broncos offense, man, is uh, – I, I, I wanted to will them into this game, but they just could not, they could not pick it up through the air. And then mm-hmm. for the Chiefs – I, I, I think that you know, the drop – I think Tyreek Hill was the one who dropped that one that ended up being a pick. Yeah. That like kept, kept them in it, right? Some fluky things that kept them in it. But I think the Chiefs wholesale dominated this game. And if it weren't for a couple fluky bounces, they probably win this one pretty much even bigger than they did. I didn't look up these stats, but I I would venture to say it's the first time that Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill have been healthy together in a game and had fewer than fifty combined yards. Yeah, it's wild. Maybe it's happened, but that, they were not. They are not doing much like this. People are Chiefs have won, you know, five straight. They're you know, quote unquote back, but they're not. Like the offense has not been back at all. <laughs> like they are still a very middling offense. Steve Spagnuolo is working magic of late. This is their defensive turnaround has been something to behold. People were writing them off early in the season as not even being like as quite easily the worst defense in the NFL. And now they're looking like a top five unit. Steve Spagnuolo is there like a assistant coach of the year because he's got to be in the running. Got to be in the top three right now. Man. I, I I am not you. Know, you talk about teams you don't want to play in the postseason. You don't want to play the fucking Chiefs. You don't want to play Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs because they are a sleeping giant. Patriots and Bills. You want to preview it one last time for the boys? I never do. You never do. It's gonna be a fun game at least. Before we get to the fun, it's a very read, good Monday night football match. Before we get to the fun to read segment, Western Southern, whether it's football success or financial savvy, the right questions help set the stage for winning strategies. Western Southern is teaming up with PFS' very own Chris Collinsworth to share insights that can help put you ahead. 
on both your fantasy and financial scoreboards. Want to hear more about Chris's old playing days or behind the scenes with Al on Sunday Night Football? How about I need to know for your financial future? Now you can ask about either or both. And every football or financial question you ask earns you a chance to win a catered party for February's big game. Check out the Chris Collinsworth podcast and Western Southern's Instagram for answers to the best questions each week. Submit your questions at westernsouthern.com slash askchris. One more time, that is westernsouthern.com slash askchris. If you're watching on YouTube, check out the link in the description below. Remember, Western Southern, you can rest assured on game day. One more, Manscaped, just launching... Just launched new products, including their all-new ultra-premium body wash and a two-in-one shampoo and conditioner. It's time to give yourself or someone who needs it the gift of beautiful skin, hair, and balls this holiday season. Go to manscaped.com and use your code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping inside the Performance Package 4.0. You will find the Lawnmower 4.0. This electronic trimmer has a proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to reduce cuts on your nuts. Tis the season to load up on Manscaped products so you get yourself, your dad, your brother, and your friends the best gift of all, the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Get 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com manscaped.com and use code pff clean up your nuts and make santa proud this year make santa proud the fun to read segment today is absolutely loaded and i'm excited for every piece of this anytime emmanuel acho makes the show it is always a treat let's start though with mike frabel nfl rule nfl officiating has an official twitter account and sometimes they'll tweet out clips from games of controversial calls or whatever this one's the one about the travis kelsey fumble wasn't a fumble whatever NFL officiating says the ruling on the field was an incomplete pass. After review, it was determined that KC87, Travis Kelsey, did not fully complete the process of a catch because the third element of a catch, time, was not met. Therefore, the ruling on the field stood as complete. They put time in like this fucking glorified piece of it. Then Mike Vrabel responded with a fucking screenshot of the rule book, which is incredible, which doesn't say time. There's no time mentioned. It doesn't time. say the third rule of time does not exist. Yeah. Uh, and the best part about this, and now Mike, Mike Vrabel is basically me because of the amount of times I've sent people screenshots of the rule book is a lot because a lot of fans will like to have their own interpretations. But rule book's the rule book. And he's right. There was no mention of time. I don't understand but why he has they also made that up. Not tweeted since August 18th. No he is way. at home on a Sunday night on his bye week ready to roast an NFL, the NFL refs, which I am – Absolutely here for it. That was a fan. Those are my favorite tweets. That's like that's a Hall of Fame. He really tweet hasn't right tweeted since August eighteenth. Hasn't tweeted since August eighteenth and replies to an NFL ref officiating account to tell them Kim that they're fired. I mean, not Kim Byard. Um, Mike Rabel is moving up my list. Moving up yeah, my list. That's that like incredible. Coach of the year stuff right there. Yeah. All right, this is from Emmanuel Acho, who usually has some five <laughs> um, triple eyes emoji to start. Key number one: Alabama conference champ, best win. This is this is breaking down. Okay, so he doesn't even say he doesn't even say in this who he thinks should be the t- if this is what, who he thinks live. his top four is of the college football playoff. But here's just like he puts just okay, just yeah. This is college he just tweets this out. He just tweets yeah. this out right after college football playoffs like announced. Alabama, no, it was right, right after this is right after Alabama beat Georgia. Okay, Alabama conference champ, best win versus twelve and one Georgia. He's saying they should be the number one team. Michigan, conference champ to be determined, so this is before Michigan-Iowa. Best win versus 10-2 and two Ohio State team. Cincinnati, conference champ. Best win versus an 11-1 Notre Dame team. And then he wants to put Baylor in, who would be a conference champ because they just upset Oklahoma State. Best win versus 10-2 and two Oklahoma team. And the opponent wanted to put Georgia down from 1-5 to because they're not a conference champ, and their best win was versus a 9-3 and three Kentucky team. <sighs> Fun to read. You can't drop Georgia from 1-5, to five, but... 
some of the rationale is funny. I think it is funny. I think that people the, – the college football playoff committee is just a joke, right? I mean, this is more making fun of the college football playoff committee. And he also has no I – mean, Baylor had two losses this year. He wants to put it – they have – okay, they have the best win versus 10-2 and two of home team. Yeah. They also have two losses. Yeah, two losses. And also, their, wouldn't their best win be against Oklahoma State? Maybe. Who went 11-2? and two? But that's neither here nor there. And, and then he just puts the eye emojis like he's looking – or, but he doesn't like say this is what it should be. I don't know. It was just all around. A weird that's one. his take. It's a weird take. Yeah, I agree. All right, last one. But this is not even football related. This is my favorite this one. This is though. just a very fun to read. <laughs> From USA Today, um, quote, My boyfriend is still married to his ex. We've been together five years, and while he promised divorce, he refuses to get it unless I pay for it. Am I wrong for being mad? Our advice columnist weighs in. Now, I could not leave the tweet by itself. That tweet by itself is hilarious. 1,900 quote tweets. I had to go to the article. Article. Here's the full question. I'm a 39-year-old female. My boyfriend is a 33-year-old male. We've been together for five years. There are a few things I can't handle and I have voiced my opinion on, but I get called crazy or just ignored. Communication for us has been minimal for the past two years. Fuck. Full stop. Not great. He's still married to his ex. Holy shit. It's getting worse. He has promised a divorce. He refuses to get one now unless I pay for it. Whoa, dude. Is this a joke? He and I are intimate three times a month and only when he wants to. <laughs> Girl, get out of there. Down horrendous. He doesn't compliment or acknowledge any... Um, no, no, I forgot about this. I forgot about this part. Down horrendous. He doesn't compliment or acknowledge any of my social media posts or things I send directly to him. Like racy pictures? What? What is he talking What are? What is? You did not have to include that. What are these racy pictures? Nudes. They're nudes. Uh, this is. Oh my god. I I want to think this is trolling, but it like goes I think to it a has point to be where trolling. I don't. Where I think it's. I think it might be serious. And this guy's a legend. Is all? Is no, he's thing. not. There's <laughs> a loser. This guy's no. a literal loser. They're both. I mean, they are both. Down horrendous. They're both this is not, They're yeah, both poop. They're both just obviously a bad situation. Broken. They're broken. Yes. He's broken. Mid thirties. He is obviously broken inside. The guy can't break up with his ex. Can't get a divorce with his ex. He's not even paying attention to this chick who loves him. Battered. Battered it's across a the board. She ends up saying the last straws. He didn't want to do anything for her birthday or some shit like that. And she's like, "Am I wrong for being mad?" Then this columnist who has a fucking layup of the century, home run derby, is like, "Yeah, you had to be mad. This guy stinks. Yeah. You should probably get out of this thing. Whatever." Yeah. But that was a fucking funny ass uh, piece of the piece of the puzzle. Absolutely incredible. Kneecaps? How many kneecaps did we get this past Oh, yeah. We got the first win. win. Yeah. We got a three kneecapper. Nick we, we got This guy, was. this was the biggest low effort one from Nick Baumgartner. He just Senior said kneecapped. Senior writer of The Athletic, 51,000 followers, just said kneecapped. God damn it. We had a brand account get in on the mix. BR Gridiron. Lions have been knocked down 10 times this year. They got themselves a kneecap today. Kill me with that mm. copy. It's terrible. One last one. This is from... Blue checkmark, award-winning and NFL CFP writer, award-winning. No kneecap is safe from Dan Campbell Knight. One retweet, 12 likes. That's what it fucking deserves, Jason. That is proper. Sometimes you have to look at yourself. Why are these accounts tweeting this out? Because they think it's going to get a ton of likes. Keep your likes sacred. Keep your retweets sacred. Someone tosses a garbage-ass kneecap joke. Don't be afraid to say, no, I'm not liking that. I don't care who you Block are. Block them. Block them. Kill them. Sorry. <laughs> Fun to watch. Watch this. We had another rampant Twitter time. We need to just have a whole podcast on just how ridiculous Twitter could be sometimes because I do think it can be kind of, kind of insane. Busting with the boys podcast. Yes, the Niners lost, but seeing a healthy George Kittle. Be a specimen on the football field. It's fun to watch. A healthy George Kittle, fun to watch. Thanks, Boston, with the boys. Also, specimen is like a 
a no yeah. take take. This guy's a specimen. Specimen's an absolute no-take-take. specimen. Kill me. We got another. We got a Hall of Famer. Got another in Action Network. Taylor Heineke is very fun to watch. Fire emoji. Forty nine likes. Who are you? Name yourselves. What the fuck? <laughs> he is a Hall of Fame. He is a Hall of Fame. Yeah, everyone loves the column. Josh Cohen. This is your guy. You like Josh yeah. Cohen. This one was he got it a little different. I don't know if he's good or not. And I, I this is one of my favorites. I don't know if he's good or not, but Antonio Gibson is fun. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I think more draft takes should be like that. Yeah. I don't know if he's good or not, but he's fun. I have no clue how this guy plays football, but it's fun. That's like at least it. I can like at least take that. All right. On to rookie of the week. Who is your rookie of the week? Ernest Jones, Rams linebacker, third round pick. I believe it's hundred fourth overall. A guy I kind of liked coming out of South Carolina. Six stops, pass breakup. They traded Tavon, Kenny Young. I almost said Tavon Young. Kenny Young? Yeah. Traded Kenny Young to get this guy more playing time, get him on the football field. Looks like a solid pick so far in his limited time. 89.8 grade this past week. That was a big one against the Jags. Thought he looked good. Obviously, it's still the Jags, but. Still the Jags. Ernest Jones. (laughs) Uh, Blackout of the week. So we usually do rookies in Blackout of the week. But this had to be said. I think. We're going to expand it to the rest of the NFL. Like, sh- rookies, they get shit on too much. They're, we know they're going to be bad. I would black out this guy for that drop. was maybe the worst single performance from a receiver, like an offensive position player, you know, not offensive line, not quarterback, receiver, tight end, running back I've ever seen. Gerald Everett. I'm not sure how you can get too much worse. Fumble early on. Line. Oh, no, that was fumble early on. Yeah, yeah, right. Drop at the goal line that ended up in a pick that should have been a touchdown. And then to close out the game, all he has to do is not fumble, but he fumbles on a third down at the goal line at the end. He scores, it's over. The kick of field goal is pretty much over. It's going to take 49ers to to have an onside kick to have a chance. He gives them a chance in the game. But oh, no, he fumbled. Seahawks still win, but that was about as blackout as you will see. Dude, we make the cliche like burn the tape. A lot. We've yeah. made that joke. That is a fucking do not ever see it again, Gerald. Yeah. Gerald, never see like a don't bring it up. Hypnotist. They won can, that game too. They won that who game. Can erase don't that fucking from your ever memory. look at that game again, Gerald. Yeah. You don't have to watch that. Last one. Cake your pants. What was your cake your pants? <sighs> this one. Can I say my first? Can I say, say my first? first? Brian Kelly, that video, dude. That, <laughs> that Brian Kelly video, I was crying laughing for multiple fucking days. I that could not great. stop watching it. So I'll set the stage on mine. So we're going in. We're going to Indy for Big Ten Championship game. Obviously, we're driving in. Me, Trash, Seth Galina. No, not Seth Galina. I don't even know who I was there with. David Solfaro and uh, Trevor Sikama. Driving. I'm driving. And coming in the day, I had broken this scene down for you. I said I needed Baylor win, and I thought Baylor was going to win because I assumed Georgia was going to take to Alabama. Like, had that one assumed. I didn't. So we're in the car, and Trevor has his phone watching it. I'm, I'm glancing over. I'm listening to it. It's over. The You're stage. driving. I'm driving. And we're getting into Indy, and it's, the, it's down to the goal line. They're at the goal line, and I can't help myself. I'm like, I got to kind of like, start watching. Oh, no. This. That fourth down play. I am not looking at the road whatsoever. <laughs> we're on the highway. I my eyes are on it. He bounces it outside. When he comes up short, I am screaming my ass off. Not looking at the road whatsoever. We survived, thankfully. I'm obviously here to tell the tale. Was dangerous, but you cannot take that moment away from me. 
I thought Notre Dame was going to the playoff right there. Kicked my pants pretty hard. Poor guy. Poor guy. Well, Notre Dame is rightfully out of the playoffs. Can't take them. Over Cincinnati. Is. They didn't deserve. They didn't deserve. They had their chance. They had. They had Cincinnati at home. Blew that game. I said right then and there that was a chance they blew it. Well. That's going to do it for this episode of Tailgate. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Also, subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube. If you watch on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel here at PFF. Until next time, Austin Gale, Mike Renner, Tailgate. Tailgate.